Hide your maze tattoo, update your conspiracy board, and get ready to weather the storm with us as we return to Haven. This is Troubled, the self-proclaimed number one Haven rewatch podcast. Debuting back in 2010 as a sci-fi channel original show, Haven stars Emily Rose, Lucas Bryant, and Eric Balfour as they take on a different curse every week while trying to solve the mysteries of Haven. I'm your first host in our father-son podcasting duo, Alex French. And I'm your co-host, Rich French, the French who once tried to change a channel with a calculator. All right. So uh, we're back with another episode. At this point of hearing this, uh, Haven has been removed from Netflix, but as a useful user on Reddit has mentioned that it is on Tubi. So if you have the Tubi app, you can just download the Tubi app on, you know, I think most TVs have it, game consoles, Roku, stuff like that. Uh, You should be able to get on your phone too. download Tubi and watch it there. It's unfortunately got some commercials, but Haven and commercials is better than no Haven at all, right? And as usual, we're going to summarize the episode like we always do. This is even, I think, more critical now that the episodes are harder to find now that they're off Netflix. Right. The episode starts with the Chiefs' long overdue wake. Well, I mean, considering uh, it was a hidden burial, so it's it's kind of a combination wake funeral for him. Because he was lost at sea, there's no body to have Service. a like, funeral funeral. Right. So, yeah, they're at they're at the goal and the whole gang's there. Even BD shows up, you know, and uh, even uh, Ian, who we haven't met before, but uh, has, I guess, grown up in the town and knows Nathan. So, yeah. So they're giving their condolences, shaking hands, blah, blah, blah. And then we cut to the store where Duke is there to pick up a shipment of beer. Right. It's kind of like a convenience store, liquor store. Right. Kind of place. Right. And uh, the owner, Frank, tells him to go, go to the back. And uh, get his beer. And then we start seeing Frank sees a burnt, horribly burnt woman come walking (laughs) towards him. And then we have a young guy who's in one of the aisles and he sees like a rabid raging dog that starts chasing at him. Then we see an old older lady who sees a zombie type walk up and it turns out it's Murray, her dead husband. And then, of course, lastly, Duke comes out of the back holding his Larson lager, and he sees an image of a huge guy with a ski mask with two maze tattoos on his left forearm, drops his beer, turns around, runs into a young kid named, uh, which we later lo- learn is named Brian Shaw, who and then who doesn't see anything and turns around, and there's nothing there. Uh, meanwhile, back at the wake, you know, Nathan and Audrey are talking. Uh, Audrey and Fraudry order the same drink, right? Right. And uh, they discuss how the key is to find uh, Audrey's agent, Howard. That's what they need to do. And all of a sudden, Audrey notices Nathan is bleeding from his hand and he's got a big cut in his hand. Right after that, Nathan realizes, holy shit, I can feel again. The two Audrey's and Nathan go to investigate the liquor store, convenience store, whatever it was, where Duke's kind of filling them in on what happened. And they're trying to figure it out, put it all together. And, you know, Fraudry's like, you know, what's going on here? And Audrey's like, yeah, just trust me. And she's like, maybe it's the water supply. And Audrey's like, yeah, you should, you know, try all that shit if you want. Like I did, but you're not going to find any of that stuff. So, right. Uh, we and, find uh, someone, whoever's the trouble this is, whatever the, whatever the symptoms are, blah, 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 blah. We just need to find that person to stop this. Right. Exactly. And uh, we'll talk later about Duke and Nathan's ba- tremendous banter during this period. And then they're back. Uh, they're ba- they go back in the store after speaking to everyone. They can't find any uh, evidence of uh, any of the uh, it- visuals that everyone experienced. So they're thinking it's got to be hallucinations. Evidence Ryan makes as many appearances as uh, you got laugh. It gets- makes as many appearances in this episode as you got laughs for that joke. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Tough crowd, tough crowd. At the bus station, what? Dave and Vince. Dave and Vince are just having lunch, you know? They wanted that extra vanilla, vanilla E root beer. Yeah, uh, Vince loves the draft root beer there. When all chaos breaks out, right? Right, yeah. So Dave and Vince are kind of hunkered down, and everyone's running in chaos, and Vince convinces Dave to take a look. And uh, Dave looks up, and uh, what does he see? He sees... Uh... A woman who looks just like Audrey in a dress with uh, red hair, looking, you know, kind of an older hairstyle. And it scares the shit out of them. Yeah. Uh, Because if you, you know, so then as Nathan and Audrey show up outside, they're trying to, you know, what the fuck's going on with the panic. And uh, Fraudry sees this fucking killer clown guy come out. Very Pennywise-esque. We're two for two on it references so far. Uh, But Audrey can't see anything as, you know, 
kind of right. usual with her. He he's holding balloons and he has an axe. So <laughs> it's uh he's a killer clown. Uh Fraudry tries to take a shot at him, but uh Audrey stops her because thank God, because would have shot somebody else on accident. So Right. And there's like a girl running out who's clearly not, you know, as affected as everyone else. But, you know, as Audrey's trying to stop Fraudry, she lets the girl go. Uh, and if you haven't figured it out by now, people are seeing their greatest fears, right? The things they fear the most are what it's appearing Duke with the killer, Fraudry the clown, etc. And then uh, the kind of next big scene, though, is, uh, you know, they're kind of like, okay, we need to find that girl. You know, da, 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 is like what Audrey and Nathan want to do. But Fraudry's like, we need to, I need to, you know, you guys go ahead and do that. I'm going to go look into the Howard the, thing. A- the Agent Howard thing. Exactly. Yeah, so she's going to go look into the Agent Howard thing. She goes to, you know, they're like, oh, last time we were with them was on Duke's boat. So she goes to Duke's boat. To, uh, he's got video surveillance. He's like hacked into the marina cameras or something. Well, and uh, funny thing is uh, she she tells him that, hey, uh, you don't have to worry about the man. You are. Uh, it was a hallucination. And uh, he is so relieved. And uh, <laughs> I love that she was willing to threaten the Coast Guard to get him to help her. <laughs> yeah. So she's watching the surveillance video and she's finding out shit about Howard. Meanwhile, uh, Audrey and Nathan figure out about uh, Jackie. Right. They figure out that it's Jackie Clark and she was scheduled to work at the grocery store that morning. But they say she never showed up, though. I think we all know she did (laughs) because the boyfriend was looking for her. We found out that guy at the at the convenience store that Duke ran into that wasn't seeing anything. He was looking for her. Uh, He goes to see her now, but she activates her trouble and he gets freaked out and thinks there's like a break in, you know, and he's afraid he might have hurt her, blah, blah, blah. So they go looking for her. Right. Well, exactly. Because he thought he saw a burglar like the time he did as a kid. So he he stabbed it and they saw blood while they were coming in. So they realized that Brian actually stabbed Jackie, his girlfriend. And so they hear a scream across the street. They go over there. They meet the the homeowner. She's like, there's a madman in my in, in, in my house. So Nathan and Audrey go in, guns drawn, and they find Jackie at the sink, cleaning her wounds. She takes a look at Nathan, scares the shit out of Nathan, but Audrey shows her how her trouble doesn't impact Audrey. She tells her tale, finally, to Audrey about her trouble starting after her dad died, which triggered it. And then when she was hiding out in Banger, where they make those great menu items that you came up with, Mm-hmm. And uh, when she was in Banger hiding, someone uh, attacked her and stabbed her with a knife and her trouble went away. So she moved back home. And then ipso facto this morning is the first time her trouble came back and the problems began again. Uh, this guy has been trying to get out of town with Duke. He keeps coming up to him being like, it's the guy from the wake, Ian. He's like, hey, hey like, let me get out of here. Like, let, you know, to, like, smuggle me in and out. And Duke's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I know you don't have the money to do this. Like, and he's like, no, 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 I got it. I got it. And he gives him a bunch of money. And Duke's like, where the fuck are you getting this money? Like, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and it's kind of been going through the whole episode. So now we see Ian breaking into a museum and stealing this like puzzle thing. Uh, and he's punching the glass unaffected by it. So now you're kind of getting hints of what's going on here. right? Well, even the fact that he got in there because uh, he came he came down the chimney. And when he gets out, he shows him uh, that he dislocated his shoulders inward to fit and he cracks them out because he obviously can't feel pain. And now we know who our culprit is. With the puzzle he's taken, he starts putting pieces in and he puts one piece in and it dissolves a building that has people inside of it. It sets on fire and incinerates overnight. And uh, and at, at that point, Vince walks up and very seriously says they need to talk. So, you know, Vince pulls them aside and tells them basically, hey, this puzzle was made by Ian's ancestor. He hated everybody. He's put his hate into the puzzle. Uh, we scattered the pieces. He's obviously found them and he's going to have revenge on the town. And that Nathan, kind of the big takeaway is that the troubles have been around for hundreds of years. Meanwhile, uh, Jackie and the boyfriend are like end up on Duke's ship, right? Duke has figured out now that Ian <clears throat> has Nathan's trouble because he knew Nathan wasn't could feel again. So Duke goes to find them. Meanwhile, they're on the boat without him, and Ian takes them hostage, right? Right, right. He, tie, he ties up Jackie and has a gun to uh, Brian's head. And when when Nathan, Duke, and Audrey arrive, that's how they find them. Right. So they're basically like, Ian, let him go. You're being crazy. He's like, no, I'm going to fuck this town. should have taken me out of here, blah, 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 blah. They shoot him. Audrey wounds him, and then Nathan kills him in his last seconds as he's dying. Uh, you know, they've put it together that he's stealing people's troubles, right? So Nathan takes a 
takes the blood off of the girl's bandage where she got stabbed, uh, Jackie, and puts it on his hand to transfer her trouble to him so the trouble dies with him, and he takes back his curse. Right. And then next we uh, see the Audreys uh, go to the house where Howard stayed at when he was in Haven, and the only thing they find is a copy of Audrey's book, Unstake My Heart. I know I'm a Haven homer, which I guess technically I can't be a homer because I don't live in Haven or <laughs> Maine or Nova Scotia. But I'd be concerned uh, if you uh, thought you lived in Haven. Yeah, I was. Uh, well, when I get the med mix wrong in the morning, weird shit can happen. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I really liked it quite a bit. I really liked how the writers continued to set up the season and they included a couple of reveals, which we'll talk about uh, a little later. And I thought the the trouble itself was interesting. And then uh, Ian's ability to take other people's trouble. That was really interesting uh, as well. Kind of seeing, you know, a little double trouble action there. And it was pretty cool. Uh, as usual, the banter between the character was great. And the acting by the leads was also great, in my opinion. We didn't talk much of it in the summary, but I really enjoyed seeing the tough side of Vince again. And I can't wait to learn what this apparent rift is between Vince and Day, because uh, mm. that, that occurs in this episode, too. Now, when it comes to scoring, I would have to give it an eight on the patented french meter Yeah, I'd give it an eight. It was nice. I really liked I was all, yeah, similarly, I'll give it an eight. I think the Audrey, Audrey and Audrey, something like Kramer versus Kramer, the Audrey and Audrey team up works really nicely it felt like duke fit in organically nathan's losing his trouble was nice uh like you said vincent dave's inclusion was nice it was it was pretty well packaged i thought all around and this one is written by gabriel gabrielle stanton this has done ton of stuff ton of stuff ton of stuff as a writer uh most recently on titans Ooh, uh <laughs> But she's going to do a bunch of episodes of Haven moving forward, actually. Uh, she's done a little bit of The Flash, a little bit of Arrow, Vampire Diaries, Moonlight. You know, maybe, you know, she saw the book. She was like, yeah, I got to include the vampire book. Yeah. Try uh, to tie this into Vampire Diaries crossover. You know, when you speak about, about the book, uh, I, I finally figured out the connection with the book. So, so like obviously. That, Audrey, oh, continue. No, it's not related to Haven. It's it's just pop oh. culture, you know. Because, uh, you know, when I kept I, I kept seeing when I see unstake my heart, what the hell is that a play on? And then it hit me. I'm like, damn it! I used to be a big Tony Braxton fan. You know, I used especially in the '90s. I love me some rhythm <laughs> and blues, and you know, I, I think it's a complete play on her her hit song on Break My Heart off her second album, Secrets, from uh, 1996, and uh, just so called for the Break record, My Heart unbreak my heart unbreak my heart uh yeah uh, maybe okay it, it, it was a big big freaking hit i mean get granted this was 15 years later but hey maybe maybe ernst and dunn and and and, and crew were really big tony braxton fans i know i was i love hey, me some tony braxton the venn diagram of captain and tenille fans and tony braxton fans uh captain and tenille fans were parents of tony braxton <laughs> fans yeah <laughs> So uh, probably my favorite thing in this episode was the banter between Duke and Nathan during the episode. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, that hilarious stuff. Like he's like, I demand Duke's like, I demand police protection. I pay my taxes. No, you don't. Some of them. No, you don't. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that was great. And then and then when like Duke's like, hey, if you if, if you can find this man, he's like uh, and you can feel again. I will set you up with two lovely ladies who will help you process. <laughs> and if you're worried about the cost, it'll be my treat. I mean, that, that shit was just, like I said, comic gold. I mean, I love it. Hey, he had like a <laughs> masturbation joke, right? Where he's like, oh, you felt, you, know, you can feel. And he's like, no, nope, not like that. Yeah, yeah. See, I mean, it, yeah, Duke, Duke was Duke was popping this episode and uh, it, was, it, it was excellent. <laughs> And, and then, you know, kind of tying into that, my favorite character in this episode was Nathan. I, and I think they wrote him well, and I think Lucas acted it exceptionally. I mean, and, and like towards the end there, when uh, Nathan basically takes his trouble back so that Jackie can be trouble free again and live a normal life. I mean, I found that to be touching and it showed how completely Nathan has immersed himself in the role of being the chief. You know, he's taken the ownership. This is the right thing to do, uh, you know, as as the chief. So, uh I love that. There's a dog. There's some it Cujo references going on. Oh yeah. So it, it, it's possible 
you're, you're buying the, the, the clown. The clown really should count as a King reference because that clown looked like shit. It was uh, <laughs> it, it looked like a fucking birthday clown, not a menacing Pennywise clown. I'm you sorry. Know, I, I, I actually remember the previews for this episode. Isn't that weird? I remember the sci-fi commercials for this episode back in the day. It would show the clown coming up and Frodo being like, oh, you know, like freaking out. And they're like, what's your biggest like fear? And then it would show like, you know, and like they kind of try to trick you. I remember the preview tried to trick you into thinking that guy in the store was actually a real person with tattoos on his arm. You know, that Duke was yeah, like, yeah. actually confronting. I remember the hallucinations. Yeah, try, yeah, trying to convince us those were real things happening. Like, what's going on in Haven? And it's like clowns and like mass killers and stuff. I was like, what? all hell's breaking loose yeah sure tune in tuesday right. right but uh you know and, and, and as i was thinking about that i'm like man they can't take credit for an it reference that clown looks like shit i mean yeah he's got an axe and the balloons but eh, you know, like an insane clown posse reference right is a ha- yeah. if it's a hatchet <laughs> yeah okay but then dark uh, carnivals but, come to, <laughs> to the, the dark carnival yeah. let's get that crossover and icp haven what Process. Yeah, what do the ICP fans call themselves again? I forgot. I mean, I, I know I the tattoo a, is like a hatchet, man. Yeah, I don't. I know. haven't been to a concert of theirs in years. And uh, you've been to an ICP concert? I have not. I'm just okay. kidding. I am just kidding. That I never been the, my style. I worked with a former Juggalo. That's what it is. Juggalo. Juggalo. That's right. Yeah, yeah the <laughs> Juggalos. You know, and I was thinking, I was like, man, isn't being afraid of clowns getting a bit cliched? But then I stopped and really thought about them. Like, no, damn it, clowns are creepy and scary. <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you saw a clown that was like nice? You know. Yeah, I think I, John Wayne I, Gacy uh, pretty much ruined clowns for everyone. Yeah, believe me. And, uh, you know, clowns are pretty big where I'm from. You know, Baraboo, Wisconsin is, you know, home of the, the you know, the Clown College and the Clown Museum. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there was another uh, King reference in there. Did you? So Ian uh, is asking, it's like the second time Ian's asking Duke to take him to Canada. And then, uh, so Ian brings up some how history of the past. And, he, and Ian's like, I'll just say, Vice Principal Dolores Claiborne. Uh-huh. And then, yeah. and then uh, Duke's like, you can't keep bringing that up. You can't, I can't keep repaying that. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really catch the name he said, but Dolores Claiborne. Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry. He didn't say Dolores Cla- uh, Claiborne. He, he said Dolores Bachman. <laughs> oh okay so yeah. so it's a it's kind of a it's a it's a mishmash of uh you know uh king pseudonym and a and a king book dolores yeah. claiborne and richard bachman kind of like how one of the hosts of this show did for his uh his caper film with uh teddy yeah, teddy, bachman. teddy bachman right speaking of museums do you think that was a safe place to put that puzzle board like, if you know it's a board that can incinerate buildings instantaneously, uh, I'm thinking we put that at the bottom of the bay with Captain Richards and his paint and his drawing, you know? Like, that's right. Saying we toss that into the bay and uh, say, or toss that into the fucking fire and say goodbye. Yeah, that's, uh, well, you know, and, and Vince does kind of explain it that just over, over, over the years, the town elders, you know, just as they got further away from, uh, from it, just started to believe it was just folklore. And, yeah, you know, well, so. what about the initial guys? They should have thrown that in the fire. Like, <laughs> like I don't know what they were thinking. Putting in there, like, it's like, uh, and if anyone's played Fallout 3 listening, uh, there's a town where a bomb dropped. Like, the whole game is, like, nuclear bombs drop across the country. Uh, it's 200 years after the bombs dropped, and, you know, you're in a nuclear wasteland. Uh, and they build a town around a not de- uh, dud, except it's not a dud. It just didn't detonate. Uh, and it's like radiating. They're like, and people come and like worship it. And they're like, yeah, whatever. We just live around the bomb. It's like this could go off any second. That's like what they did. They built a town around a bomb. They put this puzzle, this puzzle board, in the museum. We're like, yeah, what are the odds someone comes in and uh, starts fucking with this again? Yeah, that's uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I think it could have been uh, you know, ha- you know, hidden away much better than that. You know, yeah, like but- a vault. Uh, you know, put it in a safe maybe. Uh, but like I said, just burn it. I don't know why this thing needs to exist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and one of the, it's kind of cool at the end, you know, when uh, everyone's back at uh, Haven Police Department. Dave's like, at this time, we'll put it where no one can find it. And once again, and, and then I like that Duke's like, hey, 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 I'm a citizen. You, What are you doing with, you're going with it. And 
He's like, I deserve to know. And Vince just gives him that look. And he's like, that's reasonable. And he just walks away. <laughs> and he, you know, like I said, we got, we got our tough Vince. I, I really like that. That was cool. But knowing Haven, they probably made it a classified, a picture of it as a classified in the Haven Herald. Like, yeah, yard uh, sale, I, everyone. We got a game board for sale. Uh, make your own pieces. Yeah, there's no pieces. The, yeah, they burn the pieces then. Not that big a deal. Yeah, yeah that was. Uh, yeah. Maybe, was uh, maybe burning the board would fuck up the town, you know? Maybe if they said that, like, hey, we try to burn a corner of the thing and it burned like a field, like part of the forest. So, you know, we knew we couldn't destroy it. That was, you know, speaking of, of uh, Haven Police Department, uh, what do you think about the top-notch security at a Haven PD where anyone can apparently go in and eavesdrop? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's happened multiple times, right? Like, was it Vanessa the babysitter snuck into Haven PD? She was just wandering around, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm like, uh, how does this kid just get to wander around the, the fucking police department and overhear what they're saying? I mean, geez, I, do they have any security protocols? I mean, that's why they're going to bring in uh, fucking Dwight, you know, Dwight with his bulletproof vest that he's going to be wearing in there. You know, he knows it's not safe in that police department. Pretty heroic in Nathan taking back his trouble. Uh, I'm assuming you would, but, you know, I ask, like, would you take back your trouble? Yeah, if I was the chief. No, and in this case, even if I, you know, depending on what my trouble, what my trouble is, I mean, you know, Nathan's trouble, like he said, it, you, you can live with it. But, I mean, if you can't look any look at anyone and without <laughs> them going to complete shit, I mean, that, that's horrible. You, you can't, you really can't live that way and have any type of quality life. And right, especially, we, got the, we got the dark man. He's stuck in his house. I, I I do agree with you there. Who's but got yeah, the, who's you, got it the worst? Who's got like the shittiest hands so far, like that we've seen? Well, it's probably uh, what, what was the kid Charlie, the kid who exploded. I would have said Chief, uh, maybe. It's like I'd imagine it's like holding in like a huge fart for decades. You know, yeah. so he's been and you know if you don't, you explode literally. <laughs> yeah. But but Chief had to explode so Nathan could assume the role of Yeah, of that doesn't chief. mean it's fun yeah. for Chief. Chief like, right. Yeah. That's a pretty shitty uh trouble to have is earthquake earthquaking things and earthquaking yourself to death. Okay. Well, you know, kind of yeah. <laughs> and that, that's that's pretty pretty bad too. So yeah. I guess it's these ones that might kill you, right? Like uh Garrick, right? He had the super speed into like oblivion. Yeah, I mean, bad. yeah, just uh, you're a, a, a step out a step out of time and you can never interact i mean how the hell do you eat <laughs> and uh yeah, beatrice you know yeah hey you you noticed uh bd made that yeah. appearance at the meeting did you did you catch her catch her little line there yeah yeah uh, was, uh, that was it was yeah. a fun little it was nice to see someone from a previous episode because i think haven they don't really bring back the smaller and you know that's just kind of like how the structure of the tv show yeah but it's nice to kind of see a previous character return because uh, we don't really get those guest stars or supporting characters. Once the supporting characters leave, it's like they're gone forever. Like, you know, like, all right, bye, uh, Julia Carr. You know, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Knowing, yeah. I'll, get, I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, did, did you like her little line she had? Yeah. What just said some nights she's tied up some nights. So she was like, well, I'm glad you had the funeral today. Because yesterday I was tied up. Yeah. Uh, so we can deduce from that it's that Saturday. since she's tied up on Fridays, the funeral <laughs> was on Saturday. D now, does anyone need to know that? No, but uh, that's the way my mind works. <laughs> if we want to know when Solomon Grundy is uh, in a cycle, <laughs> that'll help. But speaking of Julia Carr, I mean, I really liked how they closed the loop on that with, uh, you know, Duke telling Nathan at the end that uh, Julia Carr went back to Africa. She's, uh, she's scared of Haven. So lame as lame. They, they probably could not have not mentioned her and no one would have would have probably cared. <laughs> yeah, no one would have given a shit. So but they did. They, they you know they closed a loop. You know, I I yeah, I respect that. that I'm assuming cool. they just didn't want the actress back or she couldn't make it back. So they like they threw one line in there. Let's you know, let's put her body in an inferno, right? Like let's let's get her. She should have been blown up maybe in the first episode or something. You know, you just see the corpse and it's like, oh my god, Julia, you know, like God struck by lightning. No, but let's let's go back to um, you know a couple things with Nathan. Uh, so Nathan gets this cut on his hand, but you know then right at, at, after that he the ability to feel returns. Dude, wouldn't he have noticed it? I was thinking that Audrey too. Did? I was like, I thought maybe I missed something. I was like, well, maybe I missed. I was like, maybe I looked down or something. I looked away when he 
initially got cut or something and like reacted without realizing it. I was like, I must've just missed a shot, but hearing you, it's apparent that nope, we didn't miss anything. It's just for some reason he can feel, but didn't feel that and didn't know. Like when you get cut, you feel it. You're like, yeah, out. Like, so even if, you know, the initial cutting of the skin, you know, yeah. he still was troubled. It, it, there would have been a throb from a like cut, a especially gash that the, size. Yeah. You can feel the blood, you know, you can feel like get a little wet on your skin when like droplets of blood. Yeah. So, and, you know, not to be, you know, Johnny nitpicker, but you know, that was a nitpick with that. <laughs> but then and another thing related to Nathan, like when he, like when they're, they're cruising in the Bronco and he's, you know, got his little flower and he's rubbing it on his face and, and he, and he tells her how, you know, you know, until you kissed me on the, on the cheek, I hadn't felt another human t- touch in years. And I'm like, dude, how long have the troubles been going on? It's supposed dude, to be. Is, I, what I'm telling you is like our, this theory that we had that it disappeared for 20 years. So let's, let's, let's redo this theory. I think here's what it's like is that I think the people who got their troubles 20, whatever years ago, 27 years ago, whatever, during whenever chief was a rookie, the 10 year chief was a rookie for 10 year, the decade, uh, during that period, people got their troubles and whoever got them, like they stayed with them. And I'm guessing a bunch of people died and shit. And then it's like new people who, you know, like, uh, Marion in the first episode, right. The weather control, uh, well, it happened in the past, right? When she was a kid. So it happened then. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess with some people it's, it's just fairly inconsistent, right? With some people it fades, some people it doesn't like, like, like I was asking, like, did the chief have these like earthquake fits the entire, the entire time? Years? Yeah, that's I mean, that would be one thing because, yeah, then uh, Chiefs might have been at least at least up till the end. (laughs) But Max had his invulnerable, his non feeling abilities in prison the whole time he was in prison, because remember, he could get in fights and take a beating like nobody else. So I don't know. uh, We're not. I mean, I think we're probably uh, at least a season, a season, maybe season and a half away, you know, where we could uh, talk about how the troubles go go away. After, you know with each you know episode of them or era i guess you could say and we're not far enough along to really discuss that and hypothesize about that so it's, it's probably one of those uh it's probably one of those threads i should stop pulling for, for, for now but uh yeah uh dude what's with the freddy krueger nursery rhyme uh you know i, I this is the multi i know it's been played at least once before this and i know it's not exactly the the freddy krueger nursery rhyme but it's when Ian's in, you know, whatever room he's in, and he's putting the, the that puzzle piece into the puzzle board. They're doing one, two. Yeah, <laughs> Ian's and... coming for you. Three, four. He's got a killer board. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, five, and, six. And know... He's gonna burn some hicks. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I know it's not the you know exact version of you know Freddy Krueger nursery rhyme, which is you know Wes Craven's version is built off of the old classic nursery rhyme one two buckle my shoe, and uh, I think another one of the you know was cool was kind of the big reveals you know that um, that the troubles have been in Haven since the beginning you know when you know when Nathan says that Vince pretty much confirms that. I think that's a pretty big reveal. I guess and, I, I guess I just didn't really. I guess to me that seemed obvious because we're getting these like in the intro. And obviously this is within what us, the audience knows, not necessarily within universe, what they know, but to us, you know, we're seeing that during the opening montage in the clips, yeah, the-, the clips are showing old photos of like the tattoo symbol and stuff like that. And like revered flag looking for, you know, witches, which, you know, you kind of assume like, Oh, he must've been hunting, you know, troubled people and claiming that they were witches, right? Like, that's what yeah. you assume back then. So I guess to me, I was like, yeah, this is no shocker that the troubles were around back then. Yeah, and it, it's it, like, it's not a reveal for us per se. It's a yeah. reveal for the characters because now that just expands the scope for them of what they're dealing with. Like, holy shit, this whole, well, you know, and, you know, it's probably intimidating to them as well. You know, and, you know, then we get this, uh, we see Audrey, with red hair, you know, in the bus station, you know, what's that about? Is there another version of Audrey? Is, you know, or is there some other explanation? I, mean, I can't wait to find out. I'll tell you, I bet you Vince and Dave know. Those bastards know a lot of shit they're holding back. I think it's uh, an extension of, you know, the idea that we see, we've seen, we know this other version of Audrey Lucy exists. So then throwing in this wild card that maybe there's another one, a third one 
is I think a natural extension of the idea. And maybe it's just because of like what we've seen, but I was like, like, yeah. Cause if you think like, did it just start in 1983, like for the first time ever? And like, you know, I, I don't know. It's kind of that natural extension of like, yeah, what did you guys think? You think it was like a, was everybody just mad and like, we're starting the troubles this year, you know, like, or a genetic accident or some gas, some government gas got out in 83. I don't know. I guess I just assumed older. And I guess it's also yeah. being familiar with King stuff, right? Like, you know, the, it is, a <laughs> is a lot, you know, is older than whatever, or. Well, and it comes back after a set period of years. 2027. 20, right. So well, another like, you know, kind of uh, innocuous question from back at the beginning, you know, when, when Duke goes to the store and Frank's like, uh, lets him go to the back room by himself to fetch his beer with Duke's uh, history, would you be letting him go unsupervised in the back of your store? That's probably because he's hooking this guy up with stuff. You know what I mean? Like this guy, he's probably Duke's probably importing some, you know, like Chinese tobacco or something that's illegal to import or some shit. He's probably, probably got a sweet hookup. Probably getting him some like uh, cheap knockoff shit that he can sell at brand prices. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. Duke's hooking this guy up. Maybe guns. Duke's got an arsenal, you know, apparently. Selling Gucci bags that end in two eyes and uh, you know, Rolexes. Uh, or, you know, he's hooking up this guy with two girls and, you know, picking up the tab. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a worldly man. Uh, you know, and he's not only international models. He's, apparently he knows lots of uh, escorts. He's like, yeah. look, I got this crate. Of Fridalba CDs, all right. I'm giving them to you for free to sell in your store. That's right. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm sorry, Duke. Uh, you're gonna have to give me cash along with the Fridalba CD. No, uh, if you listen to uh, that was on a regular episode where we talked yeah. about Fridalba, so uh, you might want to go back and listen to that one again and uh, listen to the album. There's some good stuff on there. You might it might make you want to slide your breath, but it's just good stuff. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, like you, I liked the the multiple troubles. Uh, again, as somebody who can trade them, I like it. But I also feel like we're sort of getting into like X Men territory a bit. You know what I mean? Like, and maybe we always were. Considering his like ancestors' ability was to like curse objects, apparently. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't know. Was that a trouble or was that just like an old fashioned curse? Well, and uh, he, you know. And his family was by marriage. I mean, the original family it was of oh, Tristan I see, I see. Tristan Carver. So the, the Haskells, he, uh, he, the Haskells married into through the Carver. So that's it. He's he's pretty distant. Well, and that's a neat thing. You know, uh, I'd like to see an episode where we have two family members who have different troubles. That would be interesting. Even though pre- so far it's been you know a trouble runs in the family like uh, with uh, Nathan and the chief. Nathan and I'm the sorry, G- Nathan and Nathan and Max, my bad. Ma- Max, right, and uh, which is a good way to explain. Yeah, maybe we should have saw that uh, Chief wasn't his real dad earlier. Yeah. But was it, so was that guy's power the ability to curse objects? You know, like well, they, they, and they never said it. It was a trouble. It just said he was, uh, you know, he he was sent over as an indentured servant. It had to live on a fucking ship, so he grew to resent uh, Haven so much that. Uh, he he created the you know built this puzzle and imbued all of his uh, feelings towards Haven into it. So, right, I mean, right. So I'm just saying, so, is that a trouble or is that like an old fashioned curse? Old fashioned witchcraft, right? I mean, you know, magic. So I mean, it doesn't do necessarily think, is a trouble. Which one do you think it is? I would guess it was probably just good old fashioned magic myself. You know, and uh, you so know we have regular curses on the table in Haven. Hmm. Cause yeah, I mean, if he, you know, especially if he came over from, um, you know, like came over from England or something, you know, and you know, could have had some, you know, druid magic involved possibly, <laughs> uh, or any of the, uh, you know, the arcane um, magic of the of of the Picts and the other tribes there. I guess so we've opened the door on this with maybe Julia's disappearing tattoo, opening the door to, you know, other stuff that's not necessarily a trouble that's like. I don't know if mystical is the right word, but like, you know, not normal. You know, we say it's a supernatural procedural, supernatural comedy, thriller, dramedy. And, uh, you know, why can't magic be involved? You know, who knows uh, next? We'll have some science and we'll do some wormholes and travel. I mean, we already had uh, Dr. Lucchese show us science by smashing all his beakers on the ground to do his experiment. We're already there. <laughs> you can count, classify this as a sci-fi, too. It yeah, was on I Sci-Fi think, Channel, you know? It was on Sci-Fi Channel. So, 
it was good. It, it was it was a good it was a, a good episode. I, yeah, I, I like episode. said I I enjoyed it quite a bit, and uh, you know I I just get more fond of the lead actors as we go along, and just uh, really especially when look looking at it this way, you know for, for a podcast, you know where you're not like some shows you're watching and you kind of tune in tuning shit out because you're doing something else at the same time. Uh, it, it just makes me really appreciate uh, Lucas Bryan, Eric Belfour, Emily Rose, and even. Uh, the Teagues. Yeah, I really like this episode. Unfortunately, there was no commentary, so we weren't able to get any extra information like we sometimes do. I just have to imagine what they would say. Right. I, you know, was was Unstake My Heart influenced by Unbreak My Heart from Tony Braxton? Did Duke take a shower from last episode? I don't know. These are questions yeah. we still have. Uh, how cold was it during the filming? Yeah. <laughs> it didn't <laughs> look know? as cold. It looked pretty cold in that first episode if you really... Once you heard it and you looked, you're like, oh, yeah, it does look really cold. This one seemed temperate. All right. Like every episode, we have a special segment uh, today. Since we were covering an episode where the characters saw their greatest fears, uh, you know, we thought we'd have, you know, a little light, a little fun was we t- picked out some of our scariest pieces of media. So like books, movies and stuff. I went with pretty much I went with all movies because I never really read books that scared me, to be honest. Like I've just never really been scared by books. Uh, there's like, you know, maybe suspenseful or tense, but I would never say scared by a book. No, uh, I, I, I'm with you there. Uh, I, I rarely read something that scares me. And yeah. uh, like I, I read a lot of j- just for inspiration and to like kind of uh, massage the melon a bit on the topic. You know, I, I read some, you know, best horror uh, book lists and stuff. And I'm like, I read that. That did not scare me. I mean, it was good and it was interesting, suspenseful, but yeah. rarely have I have I been scared. And, uh, you know, so but but, you know. I got one book and I've, and I've got a couple honorable mentions that were pretty scary, but uh, let's hear about uh, one of yours. I just did like a top three list, but it's kind of hard to pick them out because I think, I don't know how your list is going to end up, but a lot of the movies that I like list that like actually scared me are really just movies I saw as a kid or younger. I think one of them on here is like when I was a teenager, it kind of just got me thinking, I'm like, yeah, as an adult, I don't really get like scared. And also a lot of the times with these movies, I think, one of the ways that really like gets to me is when I'm not expecting it. Like when you go into a movie and you're like, oh yeah, whatever. Right. Like it kind of be dumb or something. And then you're like, well, holy fuck. Uh, when I'm going wow. in th- thinking it's going to be a horror movie, I'm usually not like scared by it. I'm like, oh, okay, that was cool, right. but whatever. So, so the scary movie from your teenage years, was that where a date made you take her to a Nicholas Sparks movie or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was dear John. No, uh, <laughs> Snow falling on cedar. Kind of the top three I have is I have the first Jeepers Creepers. Oh, I forgot about. Oh, that truly was scary as shit. I think also because the title made me think it was fucking stupid. And I remember, <laughs> well, people are going to wonder what the fuck's up with this. But like, uh, you know, we watched it when I was a kid when it came out. So I think I was like eight, maybe nine. Good parenting. <sighs> <laughs> But I remember us making fun of like the title and being like, this sounds so stupid. Like what, you know, Jeepers Creepers, how dumb. And then we rented it. And like, I was like, holy fuck. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I forgot. Oh my God. That... You're like, yeah. You're like, yep. the man's kind of scary. And then they get dumped. He gets, he falls in the body. That's got all the skin sewn into the walls. And I was like, holy shit. Like, oh yeah. When he goes down, when he falls into the well. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I think that was also, I know I had seen Fallen as a kid, but I didn't really remember it too well. So this was like the first one I really remember well of the main character like losing and dying and stuff. And I was like, you know, you're kind of like, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, what the fuck? That can't like happen. (laughs) That never happens. Like they always, you know, like it's a little, you know, you're secure in horror movies sometimes because, you know, at least the main character is going to get out. And then here you're like, oh, my God, like it fucking ate him and like skinned him and took his eye. Jesus Christ. Things did not turn out well for Justin Long in that one, but uh, he, he wasn't going to be in the sequel. <laughs> well, he actually was. He was in the sequel. Was he? Like, uh, it was I an hallucination for like a psychic girl. Oh, okay. All right. Well, the, the second one I like, but it's like an action movie. And I haven't seen the third one because the director, I think I found out way after the fact the director is like a convicted pedophile. So like <laughs> kind of lo- like ruins the luster of those movies. Well, yeah, now I don't want to watch them again. Yeah. yeah. Now you read the true horror behind them. 
it's just it's, it's just so creepy and the uh the villain is oh, boy that he, yeah he he is something i mean that uh, I, I thought all the great horror ideas have been you know really explored but uh that was that was awesome and that was another one who comes back after a certain amount of years and, yeah uh, it's 23 i think for him I think yeah I, I don't yeah you got a better memory for that sort of thing than i that's cool okay uh number one is the, uh, probably the only true book that ever scared me and uh it's the stand by stephen king i mean and th- there's it and there's also some personal factors to, you know, that make why the whole experience was for me. Uh, it was the you know, scariest kind of fiction, you know, regardless of, of medium for me. I mean, as a kid, I read uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. It didn't scare me. Now, granted, it was like a graphic novel, novel version. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it didn't scare me. I also read the Anne Rice uh, interview with the vampire books with Lestat and, and Lewis. And I, I, I've seen those on scariest books list. And I'm like, oh, you're serious. You're scared <laughs> of a, a bunch of effeminate vampires who, yeah, come on. They're great books. Loved them. Freaking awesome. Uh, but they're not, they're not scary. You know, why was the stand so scary for me? Okay, I was a kid from the 80s, so I grew up in the Cold War with the threat of a nuclear war over our heads constantly, you know, and basically the the end of the world. And my uncle and my grandpa, you know, were very intelligent and had taught me about all the various pandemics over the years, bubonic plague, you know, typhoid, Spanish flu. So I knew it was quite possible we could create a damn virus that could wipe out and, you know, destroy a humanity. And civilization. Now you're so, living the horror movie. <laughs> exactly. And it's very relevant for, for times like this, which is, and so it's funny that the stand isn't included on as many of uh, the scariest books lists that I see. I've only seen it like on two when they, when they got like it, man, they've got, uh, they've got the shining a Carrie. You're scared of a fucking car, Carrie. That's Christine. <laughs> yeah. So under the dome was on the list. Who the hell does that? I know. And another thing about the, the, the scary aspect of Captain Trips, the super flu, is that, you know, we always think our science can produce medicines to, to save us. Well, our science can also produce things to destroy us. So, I mean, and, yeah. so I would say and, I would say with the stand, I think it's because if I had to guess, it's because I think the first half is a lot scarier. And then I think the second half becomes very different i don't i don't think the second half really has much horror to it other than like the idea that you're fighting a being a pure evil and by fighting that's really they're not really i think the first half has a lot of horrific moments like larry in the car tunnel uh lloyd being stuck in the prison etc but i think towards the the, the second half it kind of it, it, it does it kind of moves so, more into like an epic right no and uh you know and then there's the randall flag factor i mean he is he is a pretty scary villain. I mean, mm-hmm. he could act like your friend, be quite humorous, but the evil that's uh, personified in him always bursting to get out. And when it did, it could be scary. And and then, and then now this is the personal aspect that outside of the fact that I was an 18 year old kid, like I said, coming, you know, who grew up in the cold war is that the first time I read it, I was living in my first house other than my mom's house or an army barracks. And we were living upstairs in the early 1900s duplex. And while I would read it in the living room and I, I would be getting like freaked out. And then I'd look out the window and I swear on the, like the, the neighboring houses, I would see like, blurred faces in the window or monstrous faces which scared the shit out of me obviously a trick of my mind but then also i would hear i heard footsteps up in the attic and i knew that was fucking impossible because every window was nailed shut and i had one key and like a 70 year old norbert in the first floor had one key and he could not make it up those steps without me hearing them. There's no way, whatever. And who knows, maybe the book was so scary. I imagine footsteps. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, that, you know, I, you, that's the, literally the only ghost story you'll ever hear from me. And uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I, you know, I've been following the ghost facers for years, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that, that you know, that's kind of why it's so, uh, so scary for me. And then, uh, and the only other books, uh, Clive Barker's The Books of Blood, which is like a, you know, big collection. Of, if you haven't read Clive Barker, he's just his mind just 
I, d- there's no other mind like it. It goes into these weird places. I and mean, then, I loved uh, Hellbound Heart, but I wasn't really scared by it. I was more like, I don't know, amazed by it than I was like uh, scared. Yeah, on some of his stuff, I mean, yeah, it it gets he gets yeah i mean it's just so demented and twisted it is kind of scary and then uh the, the passage by justin cronin uh, which is really good and it's kind of another one where we basically create a genetic modification that ends up destroying humanity but but there's some truly i think scary moments in it but you know it wouldn't be in my top three well uh what's one of your another one of yours um this one i saw as a teenager once again it's one of those times where you walk into a movie not realizing what you're really getting into you're like oh yeah whatever like let's watch this and then you're like oh fuck i did not think i was getting into this tonight was uh i watched the japanese version of one missed call the original and uh i had no idea that this was made you know because the american version had come out and it was dumb and i I hadn't seen it but all everyone i knew was like that sucks and i was like yeah it's probably a stupid movie i was like whatever i'll just watch it because it's on demand watch the japanese version uh, but yeah, it's directed by Takashi Miike, who's a pretty insane Japanese horror director. My God, is he crazy? Uh, Ichi the Killer has got to be one of the. I only watched like I think 15 minutes of it. But it's got to be one of the most the craziest fucking movies I've ever seen. And not you know if you don't know that type of stuff and you stumble on it, you're like, whoa, what the fuck? So I think the Japanese one was called. I was assuming it was some dumb cheesy horror movie or i was like yeah i'm really expecting i have a very very low expectations of this i'm really just killing time and then getting fucking like sucker punched by how scary it was i was like holy shit like i was not ready for this okay you know and, and once again this is like kind of taken in context with time it's not the 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 first scary uh, movie i you know i had seen that was i mean deeply fucking scary but it's the one that, you know, kind of messed me up the most. And that was, uh, and, and part of it's circumstance again, uh, it's the first nightmare on Elm Street, the original one. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really had never seen anything kind of like that. And uh, I was, I, I think when I saw it, I was probably sixth grade, maybe. So heading towards my teen years and, you know, who's all the victims in this teens. <laughs> uh, I, I live in a trailer park, but it was, it, on the edge of the suburbs. So these were like a lot of kids that, you know, older kids that, you know, from my neighborhood who went to uh, high school. And, uh, actually I had, a, and I'm, you know, and a lot of times when most, I think it's the first scary movie I ever watched alone by myself. I had, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is how I got it. My mom bought me a VCR for Christmas. She put it on layaway. And I mean, it took her like nine months, you know, to, to pay it off. And I, and I begged her, mom, please, please, any VCR as long as it's a VHS. And uh, when I opened it on Christmas, what is it? It's a Betamax. <laughs> so, but nonetheless, uh, you know, my cousin's neighbor upstairs, when I got the VCR, she, uh, you know, she, she had HBO. And I was like, and she was like, oh, yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street's on tonight. So I'm like, record. And they had a Betamax, believe it or not. The only two in entire Milwaukee area in the 1980s. Just kidding. <laughs> but she recorded me Nightmare on Elm Street. And then I, I took it home. And then one night, like at 11, I decided to put it on. <laughs> and it scared the shit out of me. And I did not sleep that night. I went through the whole next day. I didn't think I, I didn't sleep till the next night. And uh, just like I said, you know, when I watch it now, it do, it doesn't scare me at all. But, yeah. you know, as like a sixth grader, whatever it was, because I didn't see it when it came out in the theaters, had to wait for it to get to HBO and then be given to me. You know, I couldn't afford HBO. So that movie just scared the shit out of me. Yeah, that's kind of what's like important. To a lot of these, right, is like, your expectation or lack of expectation and like your age, right. Is like when it's kind of, when you're still in that kind of mode where, you know, you think like anything can happen, you know, and more as an adult, you, your brain settles into like, yeah, that, I don't know, there's no really reason to be scared because this is like impossible. And, and that's like, where my number happen th- to me. Yeah. And that's where my number three will come in. And <laughs> uh, yeah. I had a tough one with my third one. I wasn't really sure what to put. Uh, I put the ring. It scared me as a kid. I watched it recently and I still, I enjoy it more, I guess, than I'm scared of it. Wow. What? That's my number three. Is the ring? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got a match. We got a match. Yeah. And a match game. Uh, I, uh, yeah. And I know you were scared, damn it, because I was there when you saw it. And this might be another oh, yeah. one where people wonder uh, what parent takes his kid to the theater to see <laughs> the ring. But, uh... I think the funniest part was like coming to school the next day 
and trying to tell my friends like hey have you guys like heard of this movie the ring and they're like oh yeah 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 dude like i loved it and i was like oh really you guys weren't scared and they're like what no like lord of the rings is awesome i was like no not lord of the rings like <laughs> that's not what i'm talking about like yeah i love lord of the rings too that's not the point i'm like it's called the ring and they're like i oh, know there's no movie called the ring and i was like yeah there is like so i was like getting like gaslighted you know about or gaslit whatever the phrase is mm-hmm. you know being like i i don't know if the ring exists dude i don't know what you're talking about you must be mistaken <laughs> and stuff and being like fuck what the fuck like no this movie is horrifying <laughs> yeah yeah as a 10 well i won't even i won't even say what happened when uh the first scene where they find the first body in the closet oh, but, yeah, it's scary it screamed out in the theater right was i crying you cried. You yeah. openly were bawling, and uh, and I felt like shit. But uh, <laughs> you know, it, but but I'm telling you, uh, I that was a two o that was two o two. So that was October yeah. two o two. It came out. So I was thirty. Uh, I was thirty fucking years old, <laughs> and uh, dude, Samara freaked me out with that coming out. You know, not the grudge, but you know, coming out of the screen in her weird shaped body. But that just the damn images, the visuals on the video itself that they watch. Yeah, I, I I couldn't sleep that night. Like I said, I was thirty years old, married, <laughs> and you know, a ten year old son, and I could not sleep. And I know that- I, I, I watched it again recently. Actually, uh, now that I'm near thirty, I watched it recently, and uh, I won't say I was like super scared because obviously I've seen it. I know what to expect and everything. You know. Uh, but still kind of walking down the hall to go upstairs. I was kind of like, oh, a little dark in here. <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh... Just like the mood is so great. Like, uh, there's just a lot of good things they do. I know people are like, it's a little clean. It's a little too polished. I think it's a little like, a little sterile at times. But I, I really like the mood <laughs> of a lot of like, like the island, uh, Samara's dad and the fucking horse is dying. And like, the way he kills himself. Uh, they're in Seattle where it's like gray and raining all the time. Well, and uh, you you spent uh, a good amount, you know, you spent like three and a half years in the south of the Seattle area there in the Tacoma and Olympia area. So you are familiar with the environment and kind of the (laughs) looks of the neighborhood. I mean, you were young, but just some other movies I had, not that like were on my list. No, I wouldn't say they're necessarily scary, but like evoked maybe other feelings to like talk about Um, uh, Eraserhead. I don't know if you've seen Eraserhead half but i don't remember it uh i don't know if i'd say it's scary as much as i was like extremely unsettled the whole time and like pretty disgusted at like a lot of like stuff that's happening fucking silent hill did that hat gave me that feeling silent Which, hill yeah. uh, some of those <laughs> images of those pyramid head guys man that feels very lovecraftian <laughs> i mean yeah it was I, yeah I guess, I guess silent hill i guess I, I don't know. I, I, I liked Silent Hill, the movie, and the games are the older games are cool. But and I guess I wasn't like super scared. But but that's uh, what it made. Yeah, it's very I, I was unsettled yeah, by, by the images. Yeah. I mean, watch Eraserhead then, man. It's just the visuals are fucking not. Maybe I haven't seen it because uh, that doesn't sound like something I'd forget. <laughs> no. Um, another movie that I kind of put in. Uh, I don't know if it's really scary as much as I was like another like sucker punch of being totally unprepared as a teenager for what I was like getting into was a uh, Videodrome, which uh, I hadn't watched much Cronenberg. I'd watched, I think I'd seen like a couple with you, which I'll get to in a minute, but Videodrome is a James Woods movie from 1983. Oh, that one. And holy fuck as a teenager, I not know what I was getting into. I didn't know what I was getting into with a Cronenberg movie. Where I was like, holy, what the fuck? Like this movie's, it's dark it's like about it It gets you know yeah i saw it and on video as a kid and um i i don't remember it but i remember i was disturbed there's a lot of sexual torture and brainwashing and body mutilation and stuff it's perfect for james woods (laughs) it's pretty insane um i I like james woods he's he's a good actor uh well i was re-watching it recently so i was like yeah this movie i remember at the time i was not ready for how fucking disturbing this gets another one um this one was almost on the list i just haven't watched in a while so i don't remember if it holds up the way i think it does uh was jacob's ladder oh that's Uh, a good one it's just been so long so i'm wondering because i remember in the second half it starts to go off the rails a bit now i remember kind of getting like the first half i remember being scared like out of my mind in the first half and the second half getting a little uh, like bored with it in a, for a minute, so I need to kind of rewatch and reassess. But I remember my initial feelings. The first half had me like freaked the fuck out. One that 
was scary at times if it just had a better budget maybe was in the mouth of madness oh it's was yeah, a kind of messy one but it had some like mo it's kind of it's just kind of a messy movie but there's moments where i'm like holy fuck like oh like the, the imagery it's it yeah. just it's some uh, so I'll, I'll, a prime example because that's uh i had a uh, freaking uh five uh, honorable mentions that was my last honorable mention was into the mouth of madness because uh, i saw it in my when i was like 20 i mean the first time i rented it was when you were a baby in the mouth of madness came out in 1994 so okay so that's when you were two so i I watched it in colorado when we were at fitzsimmons so uh i remember because they have that scene when they're driving in the dark to to the inn Mm -hmm. and then he just keeps flashes of this like white-haired zombie on a bicycle and it just (laughs) and then it disappears and then it appears and it's just one of the most disturbing fucking images i've ever seen i the first time i watched it and i fell asleep and then I dreamt I was seeing that damn creepy thing on the bicycle, you know, yeah. which, so that I had forgotten that how scary, you know, and it was just really another one where it was unsettling with some of the disturbing images. Yeah. But that's on my list too. keep going. Uh, one that once again, doesn't scare me really as much as it's kind of fills me with like a bad, like anxiety was uh, existence, which is one oh. you showed me as a kid. Uh, oh, that's the Jude Law one, right? Yeah, yeah which I we watched as an adult. I'm like, this is such a mind fuck. Like, this is crazy mm-hmm. to like. Have sh- like, <laughs> I'm glad you showed me because I'm I I enjoy that I was able to see movies like that. But I was like, this <laughs> would be fucking crazy to show a kid. <laughs> it's like existence is fucking nuts. Uh, but yeah, it, it really is a real. How with that one? Uh, oh man, I would have been like seven or eight when we watched Existence. Fuck. Oh man, I, uh, man, I remember uh, being like, being like, because like by the end of the movie, you can't even tell what's real at all. You have no idea like where you are in terms yeah. of like the space of the movie. You, you can't tell. You have no concept of reality anymore by the end of the movie, and that is like fucking nuts to like watch at any age well jesus yeah thank god uh hopefully none of our listeners can travel back in time so that and call child services on me but i mean i watched them with you and it, you yeah. know and was there to explain this is a movie this is fantasy you know so yeah, just, to, co- just organic, to cover my ass a bit i don't know. think there's organic video games uh or willem defoe's a car mechanic that's going to try to murder me or anything but it's a cool movie uh another one i had was for for imagery since we're talking about imagery was some of uh, that's imagery that stuck with me for a long time was from the cell, the Jennifer Lopez movie. Oh, that has some disturbing images. Yeah. Yeah. Movie. Once again, it's a pretty uneven movie, uh, but in the dream sequences, cause that director does some pretty crazy like imagery. I can't remember. Tar- Tarsum Singh, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. He does yeah. some, uh, pretty intense shit in the cell when he's going for a more horror feel. Some of those nightmares mm-hmm. are just pretty crazy to are like, pr- uh, you know, stuck with me yeah. over the years. Well, you know, Silence of the Lamb has some. That wasn't on my list, but that that has some <laughs> yeah. really twisted, crazy images. Yeah. This one's not really scary. It's like suspenseful, but I just wanted to highlight the theater experience of it was that like elevated it, I think, was because uh, sometimes when you see it in theaters, obviously not a possibility right now. When you see it in theaters, it sometimes changes things, right? Like I remember thinking paranormal activity is way scarier in theater than I watched at <laughs> home without people. And I was like, this sucks. Uh, another one I think that was elevated was shutter island i had never had a theater experience where i never had a theater that quiet before in the mo- in the moments of silence of that movie the theater was like so insanely silent i can't even i can't even describe to you how everyone was holding their breath like at once in a packed th- i was in a packed theater it was like every seat was filled and everyone was dead silent it was an amazing experience because that yeah. almost never happens a well-done, uh, old-fashioned, a sane asylum movie. Fuck, yeah. man, that always will mess with your head. I mean, <laughs> that's just you know, you know, even going back to Nightmare on Elm Street, when Freddy Krueger's, uh, you know, the mom was raped by like two hundred uh, bastard son of a thousand maniacs or whatever. Maniacs, it is. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, they went a little, I think, over the top with that one. Uh, you know, and it was a very barely, the ring barely edged out uh, The Exorcist. I mean. Yeah. I mean, the first time I saw it was like with my mom and my uncle when I was pretty fucking young. And because I remember the next day at school after it was on and and that obviously that was edited for, you know, like 1980 television. And every kid at school was like, right, did you see that? Holy. And a couple of kids were like, my parents wouldn't let me watch. And I was like, well, all right. 
Yeah, now you know where I got it from. Yeah, and, like, uh, we had time travelers report <laughs> like get yeah. uh, get child services. Yeah, and uh, I mean that movie, and and still, uh, every now and then, I, if I have a friend or someone I know who hasn't seen it, you know, I'll invite them over and we'll watch it. I have it on Blu-ray and uh, just DVD, mm-hmm. and if they haven't seen it, it scares the fuck out of them. I mean, I know some <laughs> of the effects aren't you know the greatest because it was from the seventies, but that and then my next one on my list was actually another 70s movie rosemary's baby and the 70s uh, or 60s it might have been late 60s i think it's uh, 69 might be 69 and uh that movie was creepy and because one of the things in the late 70s when i was a young kid there was all into the er, really early 80s there was this great fear of satanists and all of that so and you know rosemary's baby is great and uh 68 and, and the then my 68 cool yeah. and uh yeah I, I mean obviously i didn't see it in 68 i was born yeah. in 72 and yeah my, my mom wasn't like holding uh the uh the for belly up to for four years yeah <laughs> this kid just won't get out and uh uh, Candyman was one that's got some pretty disturbing imagery, and uh, uh, Tony Todd, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. The play, plays him. Yep. But back into Candyman, I mean, uh, you know, the urban myth part of it. It was set in uh, Chicago. I had driven by those. You know, I'm from Milwaukee. I have driven by the uh, those projects. You know, mm-hmm. quite a few times when you know going, coming home, and back and forth from the arm, army assignments. It's just very well done and scary. And then uh, my last one is uh, from the 70s and uh, Alien, the original mm. Alien as a kid. I, I, and it's not, it, it's, it's just that, it, it just, the surprises, you know, yeah. alien out the chest, you know, it's just, it, it's just <laughs> the way the alien kills, kills them, you know, suddenly. And he's just hopeless unless you're Sigourney Weaver. And, uh, <laughs> so that's some of the top things that have scared us over the years. Uh, just like our main characters are cast and havened in this episode, Fear and Loathing. That is it for this episode. All right, before we go, uh, I wanted to try something new. We're gonna, we want to talk about some podcasts that we like listening to that are kind of, you know, a little connected to ours. We wanted to give a shout out to the Lo- to Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. They just started season five. So I highly recommend you go over there and subscribe and listen to them too. They're talking about all sorts of Stephen King stuff. Right now, they're covering the Stephen King miniseries on CBS All Access. I know some more recent episodes uh, towards the end of season four, they were doing Green Mile and uh, doing, chapters of Green, doing chapters out of the stand as well, doing the book before the TV show, you know, and reviewing the old miniseries and uh, doing stuff like that. They kind of cover all, all sorts of stuff, books, TV shows. Uh, yeah, so go ahead and go over there, listen to them. Uh, tell them who sent you if you find that you enjoyed or anything like that. As usual, you can uncover more Secrets of Haven with us in one week. Trouble drops every Monday, so make sure to tune in wherever you listen to podcasts like Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, Deezer, and you can even listen on YouTube and Vimeo. If you want to contact us, the easiest way to reach us is by email. You can reach us at troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. If you want the podcast straight from the source, you can visit our website, troubledpodcast.com where we upload every episode and put updates for everyone to see, uh, to see what we're up to. And any links that you're having trouble maybe finding in the show notes, we can also provide them there. But let's say you're on Twitter and you want to follow us. Our Twitter handle is at Havens Troubled. That's a capital H and a capital T. Uh, We're getting more active on the Twitter. We're getting some more tweets out there. So it's not as barren as it might have been during season one. You know, Haven revamped for season two by adding uh, someone named Evidence. And we're tweeting more stuff out. It's one to one, you know podcasting is fun and we love it but it doesn't pay our bills yet that's why you can find us on patreon there's a link in the show notes or if you go to patreon and search for trouble to return to haven you can find us we have three tiers the first for one dollar makes you a haven tourist where you'll get access to our production documents fun behind the scenes info as well as a fan shout out and our wu-tang nicknames joining our three dollar tier makes you a haven resident where you will gain access to our bonus series troubled with extra syrup we travel outside the confines of haven to bring you more than you ever thought you needed We've covered Stephen King books, soundtracks, TV shows, real life events, you name it. But we always find a way to tie it back to Haven. That's why we're recommending the Losers Club podcast, kind of, you know, trying to get you all, get you all Stephen Kinged up. Lastly, our $5 tier is our Haven's Trouble tier, where you get access to director's cuts episodes that will be dropping. 
Uh, moving forward in 2021, you also have the option to set up a Zoom call or any kind that you want to do for a Q&A or you know, a live session. Uh, we can even record and turn into an episode or a transcript if you think that'll be entertaining. That's it for us, but we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. This is Alex French. And this is Richard French. I uh, just want to echo Alex's uh, thanks uh, to all of our listeners. We really appreciate you listening and your support. I want to give a shout out to Autumn and Frank and uh, Nicholas for being uh, Patreon members. We really appreciate their support and hope they really enjoy all the extra content that I believe everyone would enjoy if they take that step and join, not to shill too much. So... I hope you join us for another trip back to Haven next week. I want to thank you again. Please be safe. And most importantly, please remember, never let your troubles get you down.